of this came an idea for a nonprofit that I'm going to start. I just literally talked to my lawyer this weekend. I'm hoping to hear from him before the weekend that I'm going to talk to the tax people. Then the idea is find donations like guitars that are what I call husks, you know, not, I mean, not like find a 1959 Les Paul and go, oh, hey, I'll fix this up and like give it to you. No, it's fine. Like midline serviceable guitars, get them, bring them back alive and donate them. That's Chris McLernan. I'm Jamie Green. And this is Trading Force. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Trading Fours. I'm your host, Jamie Green, and super excited, I've got uh, Chris McLernan back. Chris McLernan, you know him from Saigon Kick, you know him from Cold Sweat, I hope that you know him from his other band, Big Mick and the Curl, because they're cool, and Chris is such a nice guy. I, uh, I wanted to take a vacation, people. I wanted to leave Kansas City for a while, so by the time you're hearing this, I've already gone to Los Angeles and come back. So Chris was so nice. He said, yeah, let's talk again. And he's always so much fun to talk to. So we were able to record this before I went to Los Angeles. And uh, let me actually have a break. So uh, I'm on the beach somewhere. Not paying attention to podcasts or music or anything. Just hanging out with family and friends. uh, Enjoying the beach and uh, unwinding. So Chris is so much fun. He is just so great. Uh, We just delved in. And you're going to hear a lot of great things. We're going to talk about Wolfgang Van Halen and what he's had to go through. Talk about the Gibb family. I mean, this this conversation goes all over the map, but it's all really interesting fun. Chris is just amazing. He's just great to talk to. So, let's get started. Here's my conversation with Chris McLaren. Well, I appreciate you doing this, and welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been, you know, I think it's been about, what, seven months since we last talked, and the world's changed a lot, and fortunately for the better, uh, at least I think so. So I I think a good place to start is let's, I mean, dude, every time I look on Instagram, you you got a Mustang, you got a Gretsch with a a Bigsby, you got, I mean, you're busy. Yeah, I am. Uh, And um, that started... Um, actually it woke back up, I should say, uh, after Ed died because he was the one in it indirectly at first who got me started on, um, building my own guitars, you know? So first it was modifying them. I mean, I had a thing for just, I had a Les Paul custom that I got from my high school graduation and I would take it apart and put it back together take it apart, which is kind of stupid. Cause that's a pretty intricate instrument. It's not like a right. telly, you know, right. yeah. did it anyway. So got to college and um, started getting some connections with the local stores and whatever in Madison. So I started buying pieces and putting them together. And then, you know, did it for a while. And then, um, you know, we made records and you could get your own, but still there was a lot of, I would still switch stuff out if I wanted to. So when Ed died, I got, um, I had this. Nice. I had it all up to actual specs. That's very Uh, nice. Yeah, and it sounds incredible. It plays amazing. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I got that and put that together. I was like, all right, there's one. 
And then my friend John Meradian um, sent me a hammer with a broken headstock. Yeah, he's I like, saw that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, dude, I, you can fix this. I'm like, you're out of your mind. He's like, no, I trust me, man. What's the worst that happens? You do it wrong and you send it back to me and I fix it. All right. Did that. I was like, hey, wait a minute. So then it was, well, hmm, what else is out there? So with these Gresh's, like the, like the, John sent me the must, Mustang too. That thing, you know, sat in a, a case for God knows how long. Um, and uh, that one just came back to life. Um, but uh, I, there was this auction um, from the Gresh family and a lot of drums, a lot of famous drums, like uh, Ringo's number one and number two Beatles set were up for auction. Two million a piece, by the way, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, which, frankly, I think it's kind of reasonable. Yeah, but only Ringo can afford it. <laughs> yeah, 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 no kidding. So he, um, so I had a bunch of, uh, there were like 11 Greshes that I bid on, thinking it was going to be like eBay. If I got one, uh, great, I'm lucky. No, I got five. I was wow. like, yeah. And only one was in a, a, a state of repair, shall we say. Uh, it was the 1940s big band style uh, acoustic belonged to Randy Bachman at one point. Um, absolutely. I've always wanted a guitar like that. So absolutely love it. The other were, the others were, you know, no wires, no pickups, no tuning pegs, no tape still on the neck, you know? So I was like, all right, projects begin. So one at a time, I just started knocking them out. So you selling all of these and just keeping the ones you like, or what's, what's the, uh, kind of. I'm thinning the herd to be sure. Um, I've sent John a couple um, and he's <clears throat> finding homes for other ones, older ones that I had, not the new ones, because there's still two of the Greshes that are needs need some more equipment, you know, like wiring and um, pickups and stuff. Um, but out of this came um, an idea for a nonprofit that I'm going to start. I just literally talked to my lawyer this weekend <clears> or <throat> this week. I'm hoping to hear from him before the weekend that I'm going to talk to the tax people. Then the idea is find donations like guitars that are what I call husks, you know, right. not, I mean, not like find a 1959 Les Paul and go, Oh, Hey, I'll fix this up and like, give it to you. No, it's fine. Like midline serviceable guitars, get them, bring them back alive and donate them. So I will be donating them to wherever I can figure it, figure out how. So I'm going to look into music schools, VAs, rehab, um, that sort of stuff. And just, Get them up, get them up, get them playing, get them workable, and move them out. That's great. Well, I, so, I know you know this much better than I do, but that was, you know, Eddie Van Halen did so much with Mr. Holland's Opus. That was a big yeah. thing. It was a big deal to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, um, whereas like with him, clearly he could he could hand over brand new gear. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. You know, which I could. I mean, I'm guessing I could shake down all my companies, right. but this I think I have more candidates with this. Well, plus it's a labor of love, right, Chris? I mean, that's part of it. Right? Yeah, I, I really like doing it. Well, you yeah. know, it's, it's interesting. My dad's dad was a carpenter. Um, actually, that desk that's behind me, I always do the wrong. That desk, that was his desk. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, and it's just- A, a real writing desk. Yeah, old school, man. And, and that's what he worked on. That was in his office for all those years. So uh, my dad had it, and then I have it now. But cool. there's something so cool about building something with your hands that's tangible that outlets, you know, it's not, it's going to outlive you. Yep. Right. Yep. It's, yep. It, it's a sense of satisfaction, right? Totally is. Or it's like with this, this one, um, here, let me grab it. 
This um, this is a '70s Gresh committee. They they were owned by Baldwin for a while, right? Okay, I love the this look. thing. Yeah, I mean, it's that's pretty. That's cool, man. It's pretty substantial, huh? Mm -hmm. That seems very heavy. <laughs> yeah, it ain't light. So this thing, when I got it, no bridge, no pickups, no wiring, no frets, no tuning pegs. Um, there was a slight crack in the headstock, so I glued that back together. Um, so this thing, it's kind of cool knowing that it never, nothing ever got played on it, ever. So this, you know, let's hope it's in tune. Yeah, not bad. Um, that's a, when I started up the first time, that's the first time it had ever made music. So that's really cool. Absolutely. Especially when you get it and you're like, okay, how am I going to do this? You know, I've never done something this elaborate before, but you know, I just kept thinking of John saying, dude, if it gets broken, I'll fix it. All right. So that's cool. So you and I actually are going to get to see each other in person here. Did you know that, that going to be Nashville? Yeah. I'm going to be a rock pod brother. Cool. I've never been. Have you been before? I have not. No, I, um, I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Um, I'm getting a Greg Renoff and I are getting a table. Okay. So, so we're going to be, uh, I, I don't know what he's got books, you know. Right. Uh, I've got some other stuff in which we can talk about in a bit. But I'm, I'm sitting there. Am I going to be like, you know, Ed McMahon? And he's just going to be, you know, Jumping. talking about his books. And <laughs> and I'm gonna go, you know. Right. He'll have the little, oh God, we're going to age ourselves. He's going to have the little envelopes to the head, right? <laughs> and, anyway. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Greg was on the podcast too. I had Greg on to talk about mostly the Ted book because it had just come out, but obviously yeah. Van Halen. Uh, he just seems like a cool dude. I still haven't figured out why he's down in Tulsa because he's like a New York guy. Oh, so, yeah, I know. I know. I know. He, um, uh, uh, I, I always get to see, because I'm a Packer fan, so I tease him about the Jets when I can because I know he just, yeah, that's, that's just so self, so, so just self-inflicted agony, oh, you know. They're, they're terrible. Oh, it's and it's been ages since they were good at one point, but that's yeah. kind of forgotten. Well, I think the year they won the Super Bowl, I was like a month old. <laughs> With Namath, right? Right, yeah, you guarantee yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Super Bowl three, dude. That's that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's man. right. That's right. Because it was uh, the Packers won the first two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You, you beat the Chiefs in one of the Super Bowls early on. I think yep. the first one. I think it was the first one you guys beat the Chiefs. Yep, Chiefs, and then I think the Raiders. Yeah, well, that broke your heart. Nobody, nobody hates the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Greg and I will be there. Mr. Beeler is actually the one who's like, dude, you should do this, you know. I'll set you up. And uh, so uh, uh, so between the two of them, yeah, here I am. Or well, here you know, we it's going to be crazy because he's got a million – Chris – how do you, I don't even know how you pronounce Chris's last name. You know, we're, we're Facebook friends, but Chris and I have yet to meet. But Chris has got a million people coming to this. Like, every time I look, there's somebody else coming to this, right? I know. I know. Yeah. It's like, all of a sudden, oh, holy. It's like, it's, it's such an unprecedented time in music because, like, everybody's, quote, doing nothing, you know, because right now, usually someone be on the road. Right. Or, or recording. Not everybody off the road or recording. So everyone's going to go for the same venues at the same time. And this every, everybody. Yeah. So the, the cool part is I think there's going to be more tertiary markets that are going to be hit because the big ones will be full. Yeah. So if you live in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and you have a decent sized theater. 
you could see somebody normally you'd have to drive to Milwaukee, Minneapolis or Green Bay or whatever to, to go see them. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. I just saw collective soul is doing a date in Salina, Kansas, which is not a big town. No. Right. Nope. Yeah. There's, there's there are going to be a lot of those kind of shows. Now I just had on uh, art from Everclear. Uh, and he was saying like, we're just going. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the, and there's like color on the bill and i was like living color jesus christ man how'd you manage that so wow yeah i'm pretty excited for that you get those you know those bands together it'll be a lot of fun so oh god i that that vivid record holy mackerel right there's only a few from that era that came out like a thunderbolt um faith no more is uh what real thing that was one right um vivid was another yeah uh, Appetite for destruction. That kind right. of was, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. all just like, huh? Like when you first heard it, you're like, who is that? Right? Yeah. No, no, Viva was great. They're just a great band. They're just, you know, I saw them on the, remember the Stones were going to retire up to Steel Wheels? Steel Wheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, the Scorpions decade long farewell tour. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, they, I was, it was here at Arrowhead and, uh, you know, I had a little idea who they were, but you know, this is before the internet. So right. I mean, you don't know that. And they came out and they did in their day glow, which is awesome. Uh, and kicked ass for, I think they played about 45 minutes. It was yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I remember that when I first heard it, I was like, okay, cool. Little sample there. Oh, wow. Awesome riff. And then all of a sudden Corey Glover started saying, I was like, what is that? <laughs> no, he's great. That, it, that is just like this soulful man's voice you're just going wow wow and and the songs were good that was the other thing so many of the songs in that era were either really good or the band had nothing but attitude yep they had both yep. fantastic love them so you were talking uh, i want to make sure you've got something else going on because you said you're gonna have some you're not just the guitars but when you're sitting next to uh greg at the table right. what do you what are you what are you going to be talking to people about what am i hawking yeah, what what's your, what your slapping what are you slapping <laughs> my wares um the uh, i always have something going on so at the moment um or what's next i should say is uh will be surf cd number four from big mig and the curl so uh i think it at the moment it's total it's titled nose riders in the sky um and we have a, there's a cover of a uh, ghost riders in the sky on there so that's hopefully in the next week or so. I'm just checking the, the final uh, mixes, but that's probably going to be just digital. So the uh, hardware you're going to be able to get is um, a solo project I started. Um, I came up with an idea that I wanted to do something that was a solo rec record of sorts that was, as I like to say, band songs the band wouldn't let me play. Right. Right. I didn't. I didn't want to do one of those. Like man this was supposed to be on this record or that record no no so the idea was a play an instrument that i usually don't play so mostly guitar playing bass too but i gave myself an assignment which was come up with an album's worth of material which is now turned into two wow um of in the style of i was going to take these songs and take them to a certain band and say i wrote these in this style what do you guys think? Do you want them? You know, or, or they, or vice versa. They said, we need you to do this. So I picked a couple of bands, but the one right now is called, it's uh, thin Lizzy. So, cool. so the band's called Canal, which is um, Cockney slang for fucking hell. So just Canal, K-I-N-N-E-L, but it sounds like a, a 
some sort of castle or you know geographic location. So um, had enough for about 70 minutes worth and I wanna do it on vinyl. So that's too much for vinyl. So the advice I got was, all right, write a second one or finish it off. So you have two. So I have enough for two. One is gonna be hopefully ASAP. Um, and that one's called, uh, it's tentatively titled Take It All is the, is the, the album. Uh, that was that title is going to be and then the second one unsure just yet but that'll be done about or released about six months later so it's just picking songs they're going to be 40 minutes worth of quality on vinyl and then splitting them up and and uh, and getting them out and rocking and rolling so um the cool part is vinyl because because we're really taking a lot of care into, into what made vinyl cool which was the package yeah so uh i mean a lot of thoughts going into it but vinyl is like a four-month lead time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, Just, I had Damon Johnson on. You know Damon. Oh yeah. And uh, super cool guy. And so I ordered his vinyl because I was like, "Hey, I, I'm really digging this new album." <laughs> he just sent me an update. He's like, "Still waiting." <laughs> it right. takes a while. It does. It does. Um, however, CDs two weeks. Right. So what I'm thinking is. Uh, I'm still waiting on mixes for that because I'm not doing the mixes on that one. Um, so I will, uh, I'll be waiting. Uh, hopefully that's done end of this month. It, those will be done. But then that's, you know, three months from, that means what, September, you know. However, once the mixes are done, I can go and get, get the process started for the CD and print up, a, you know, a small run, 50, 100. Because there's guys like Eddie Trunk who don't play vinyl. He's like CD only. Which okay, cool, you know, but I'll print those up, uh, and it'll still the the concept will still translate really well to CD, but of uh, meaning the artwork and stuff. But it's uh, that's the goal to have that at at the uh, Nashville Shindig. Oh, cool! Well, I'm about to bring a bigger bag now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can always send you one. Well, you know, it's so funny. My, one of my, uh, uh, so my bassist, she went to Kansas City Art Institute and so she's super talented. So she, I have this whole man cave set up. I'm getting to a point, I promise. Uh, and I have my old, my parents old, you know, the stereo cabinet that they got as a wedding gift in 1959. Right, right. Sat, sat in my basement at my mom and dad's house for years. And, you know, four kids, we beat the shit out of it. You know, ran yeah. and console is what console. they call it. Thank you, sir. Uh, and it's really nice, but long story short, it was so beat up on the outside. Uh, so I had her, it looks like a Fender amp, kind of like that oh. super, super champ behind me. That's yeah, the same, yeah. same cloth and everything. And uh, it's, I've got it all cool. set, set back up, original speakers. I had to, you know, rewire all the speakers because, you know, it was so brittle, those, you know, speaker wire. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I hooked it up also to my surround sound system too. So I can listen to just the ca cabinet itself or if I really want to blast cool. it to the world. Awesome. So it's a lot of, I'll take a pic, I'll send it to you afterwards, but it's a lot of fun. And I, I'm a total vinyl guy. I never got rid of my albums. I don't know how, I did a lot of stupid things in my, <laughs> but that was not one of them. I kept everything. And I have all my dad's albums and my dad had like over 300 albums. Oh wow! And he was a huge jazz. He was a jazz trumpeter. So I have all these, oh, cool. these great jazz albums, like first run album. So it's a lot of fun. So I love yeah, my. Yeah. So I'm all over this. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to this.
Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I recently got back into vinyl. Um, I'd had a, uh, my daughter went out um, one Saturday and found a just treasure trove of albums being sold by some woman in the neighborhood. So I was like, what the, where'd you get these? How much she charges? She's like, they're 10 bucks for like 10 of them. I was like, you know, Van Halen one, Zeppelin, like four Zeppelin records, um, a couple of Beatle records, like 62 to 66, you know, just, but a bunch of others. So I was like, holy shit. So I went over there and I found stuff, speaking of jazz, Miles Davis kind of blew on the Verve rec- on the Verve label, right? That's awesome. I was like, don't sell this. <laughs> Hang on to it. Then I went through her collection. I was like, don't sell this. Don't sell Why? I said, these are worth money. Yeah, like serious money. money. She's like, right. well, how much? I said, so I looked up kind of blue and I forget what it was just on eBay real quick. And she was, oh, really? I was like, yeah. So don't, I just pulled them all aside, set them and said, leave these alone. If someone says I want to buy them, don't, don't just whatever. So that got me started. And then uh, a buddy of mine, Paul Gargano, he was a editor of Metal Edge and he's, he's also just a final fanatic. He got me, he got me really back into it. He's like, dude, you got to do this, got it. So I was like, all right. And started looking around and was amazed at some of the stuff I could find that was really reasonable and stuff that's just out, just outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Just There's like, really? Yeah. Really? You want $45 for Saxon's denim and leather? Yeah. God bless America. <laughs> but speaking of, of jazz and stuff, one of the ones I found sealed, um, K Winding, jazz trumpeter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no, 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 trombonist. He's a trombone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kenny Burrell did a surf record that was alternately called More or Soul Surfing, one of the two. Found that sealed. And Paul was like, don't do anything to it. Put it away. I said, but I want to play it. He goes, go buy another one. Well, duh. So that was one of my favorite uh, uh, old school finds. I don't, I don't think I've bought anything new like a, a new release, except for Cheap Trick released a uh, collection from the Whiskey when they were recording in color, I think. Okay. And it was two shows. So that's the only new one I bought. And of course, they're Cheap Trick and they sound fantastic. Um, huh. But yeah, I'm, I'm w- so into it. It's so The only thing, and you'll get this, you put the record on and then you hear nothing after about 20 minutes. You're like, oh, I got to turn it over. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I have a bunch of my dad's 45s and I have to be really motivated to put that on because, you know, shit, I got to get out of my chair in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the stack, the stack thing? No, I need that. I yeah. need that. But yeah, yeah, it's just funny. No, I, and Kenny Burrell, man. Uh, I love Kenny Burrell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Children's Con Carney, which Steve Ray Vaughn, uh, but he has so many great tunes and he's still alive. Yep. He's like in his 90s. Oh yeah, that's right. I did read that. He's like 94. Yeah. yeah. Amazing guitar player. No, if you ever come to Kansas City, we're going you're going to have to come to my house. We're going to have to hang out. You can go look through all my dad's albums and tell me the how oh. I, I, I can never sell these. Don't sell them, dude. What are you thinking? <laughs> no, I, Does your neighbor know how nice you are, Chris? <laughs> you could have been like, "Oh, this is shit. I'll give you. I got a 5 in my wallet." Oh man, I'll, I'll I get just these out of your house. You're too nice. You're a nice guy. You just can't do that, man. I mean, even I, I was tempted to go, okay, you could sell this for 40. I'll give you 20, you know, but I was like, no, you can't. I, I was getting, I was getting Van Halen one again, you know, in perfect condition. I was like, all right, uh, you know, I'll take that. I got Zozo for, you know, four or five bucks, perfect condition. 
there was a bunch of Blackfoot Strikes and Tom Catton, you know, just these records I had when I was coming up and learning how to play. She had UFO obsession. Really? And I said, you have UFO? And she said, oh, yeah, I used to love UFO. And I used to, they came to Charleston. I was like, what? Where'd they play? The Gilliard. You know, them in like fog hat. It's like, really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, that's too You know, I worked in a record store. Did you work in a record store ever? I did not. I didn't work. There was there's three jobs I didn't have. I didn't work in a music store. I didn't work in a record store. And I never worked in food and bev. Yeah. Well, you're you're much better man than I am. I, I actually the record store was great because and uh, see, I'm not as nice as you, Chris. So, for instance, <laughs> when concerts would come to town that I wanted really good seats, you know, and your oh, buddy, cherry your pick buddy, your buddies working, you know, that morning and you're like, hey, let me in the back door and you walk past like 300 people that are waiting in line. That may have been how I saw Van Halen in the front row. In maybe in 1988 that may be how i did possibly possibly, possibly. maybe yeah, yeah just maybe yeah now i i've done i have a similar story with that iron maiden played milwaukee Summerfest in 1981 on the killer store and i thought you know i i was like i'm in milwaukee i've just moved there i don't know anybody you know i was the only, literally one of two or maybe three guys in my high school who had the first record never mind killers so I'm thinking it's going to be like me and four other Milwaukee dudes. I get there and it is jam packed because they had canceled Chicago Fest for whatever reason. So everyone who wanted to play, see him play, play in Chicago was coming up to Milwaukee. It was just nuts. So I came in the back and I saw the guys um, from the road crew and stuff heading towards the stage. So I literally just like a remora went right behind them and went all the way up to the front, got right to the gate where they left and then just kind of turned to my left or they went to the right I turned to my left like oh, okay I'll stand here from now so right. perfect seats for the uh, the main show five bucks by the way I know it's nuts how cheap it used to be yeah my, yeah. my Van Halen fair warning ticket was I have it on a digital frame I think it's I think it's nine bucks maybe eight <laughs> yeah I think I was gonna say I think because I saw him in 84 was the first time I saw them. I think it was 12 bucks was something like yeah. that. Oh man, that was a show. Ooh. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Where'd you see it? Omaha. 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 Yeah, you know, I'm from Lincoln, so that's where I went and saw. Oh, okay. Him. Yeah, '84 was a good year for concerts because I saw them. I saw him. Uh, I saw them. I saw Billy Joel. I'm trying to think who else. I, oh, Metallica. No, Metallica was '86. There's some good shows in the '80s. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's weird. Get, to get, hmm? It's weird to get to an age now where you, you know, you're talking about like, I have, I have older friends of mine where they, you know, saw Hendrix no, numerous times, right. saw the Beatles numerous times, the who numerous times. Now I'm that guy. Totally. You know? Yeah. I had a guitar player on who's a really good guitar player here and he's a blues rock kind of guy. And he was I, before COVID. So he physically came to my house to do the interview and I have a really cool Steve Ray Vaughn print. And uh, he's like, oh, I really like that. And I said, oh, just making conversation. Did you ever see him play live? Because, you know, I saw him three times. And he said, oh, I was three years old when he died. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I am yeah. that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Meanwhile, age spots are blowing up on your hand, right? Yeah, yeah totally. So what else? Is, so let's talk about uh, what you're hearing from your cohorts, your compadres, people in the world. I mean, this seems like we're got, you know, Foo Fighters are out. 
and then I saw a bunch of other bands have delayed a year. So yeah, you know any of the scuttlebutt, Chris? Is it just because of trying to get all the crews out? Is it that issue? I know some cities are more open than others. What's the issue? Do you know? Uh, um, I know, sort of, because um, I, I got friends who are waiting to go back out. Um, there are certain markets they're not going to hit because the restrictions are just outlandish. However, if you're Live Nation and there's you know liability and tour insurance at hand there's uh you know certainly to be considered you can't just blow in and have let's say one guy on the crew didn't get vaccinated right you know so and there's an outbreak in kansas city let's say and that one guy whether he did it or not they're looking that way um i lived in saudi arabia for a while and i remember when we moved there you had you had to get vaccinated you had to prove it so I think it's going to be something very similar. If you want to do business in certain markets, here's our, you know, our, like our, like our equipment list, and here's our personnel list, and here's the vaccination list. Right. All right. proven. They all have to do it. And I know some who are no problem. They've been vaccinated for months, and some who are just still like, mm, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's because they want to get to work, but you know, you know, musicians and authority. So you know, that, yeah, they uh, don't like that. That no. doesn't go so well. Here, tell me what to do, you know. Right. Uh, well, you know, yeah. I went to graduate school in the late 90s, and they're like, and I hadn't been in school for a while, and they're like, before you step on campus, you have to get your MMR, right? Uh, and, yeah. I, and I was like, okay. Didn't think a thing about it. It was before it became political that you were making a stand somehow. I was just like, all right, got the shot. Right, right. right. Why yeah, I mean, Saudi Arabia. Uh, my father, uh, usually people ask military or oil and neither. Um, my father was hired by Sprint uh, to um, help modernize the uh, communication system. So, well, you know, Sprint's a Kansas City co company. Well, it's not, right. it doesn't exist anymore. T-Mobile bought us out like in the last right, year. Right. Yep. Yeah. But that was, uh, uh, my father had gotten the gig through, um, we were living in Ohio and he's working for a regional phone company and i think he started doing contractor work and i said well how'd you decide on sound he said well the gig came up and i and i realized i was going to have four children in college within six years so I, I better do something right so uh smartest movie ever made um just through the connections he accrued while we were there but um yeah so that sent me and my brother off to boarding school because they didn't have any school for westerners past the eighth grade at that time they had just gotten stoplights yeah, and i'm not sure 15 it's an interesting year age to be hypersex boy and go to saudi arabia yeah no kidding <laughs> especially since we when we had gotten there they, they uh put someone in head chopper square and took care of him because he'd raped a western girl yeah right they, yeah. they don't fuck around over there man <laughs> No. And guess what? No crime. Who knew? <laughs> you know, and if you and the weird thing was you'd see someone like without the finger, you know, and, right. and, and you're just like, all right, well, you're gonna do that again, buddy. You know, he probably just picked his nose. That was probably it. Yeah. <laughs> Took it right off. <laughs> but um, but to, to uh back to your question for a sec, um I think part of it part of the, the delay otherwise is also um confusion as to 
how severe an outbreak could be. Like, like think about it. Let's say you're playing Tulsa, right? Like there's a theater there called the Brady. Mm-hmm. We played there, old lady Brady. Um, and um, let's say the local promoter and Live Nation are hip to how to put the show together, how to be preventative, how to be safe, how to this and that. But the local, and um, you know, this is nothing disparaging against local government, but let's say they just, they have different ideas. And now you start clashing. So you set the gig up and it gets delayed and it's this and it's that and it's back and forth. And then multiply that by 10, 20, 30, 40 cities. Multiply that by 10, 20, 30, 40 bands. Right. You know, and then, then you get the big bands who are like, uh, what was it? Poison Crew and who was the other one that was doing the stadium tour? I don't remember, but I remember that tour, yeah. Yeah, it's that it's not being scheduled, I think, for 2022. Or Rammstein is also 2022. Yeah. So that venue is only available X amount of times a year. You know, certainly in the northern states. So everyone's gonna go for them at the same time. So there's gonna be delays scheduling that. Mm-hmm. You know, who gets priority? What sort of uh backdoor or backroom bargaining is gonna be going on? You know, no, 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 no. We want it Wrigley. Well, too bad. You got to take, you know, Comiskey or um, they're with the same management and Live Nation. So all these moving pieces are, I think, a big part of what's causing the delay because everyone's trying to go at once. Yeah. So it's, you know, like you said, with the Van Halen line, who's going to who's going to be able to scoot right up to the front, you know, get their buddies and go, all right, well, look at me. I got front row. Uh, But those are all the bands, the guys in line. No, totally. Well, it's it's interesting, too, because kind of like you said, um, you know, everything I'm seeing here is outdoors for the bigger. I mean, you know, even the Foo Fighters, they're playing out at, uh, I still call it Sandstone. Sandstone's changed his name like five times in this town, but I still call it Sandstone. They're yeah. outdoors. Uh, the Living Color show that we talked about with Everclear, that's outdoors. So it'll be very interesting when it gets to be October, November. December, right. 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 Yep. Well, and the first big festival, because, you know, last year it was, they didn't let people go out on the beach on Memorial Day. Now it's like, oh, sorry. That was the best thing you could have done, right? They didn't know. Right, right. You know, oh, don't touch that surface. You're going to get it. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> and, and I get it, you know, the first reports from the front are wrong. And everyone's kind of learning what's going on. Okay, you know, mother's cold, baby puts on a sweater. I get it. However, now you're seeing everyone just go, woohoo! You know, and it's just it's madness, but a good kind of. So I'm I'm real eager to see what it's like. You know, end of August. Right. So for you guys, you like say, hey, let's touch base in three months, or you just on delay, delay. Like what for your bands? What's it uh, yeah, delay, delay. You know, right. because uh, for example, you got Mr. Beeler, who's got all his shows he had booked well before this. So he's trying to book all those again. So, you know, as soon as he gets back out there, he's going to be booked solid. So that's kind of, you know, kind of need him in band. Um, the Cold Sweat Kids, same kind of thing. You know, Roy Cathy's got about three or four different projects going on. Um, and so does Anthony. And, you know, I'm recording my butt off, so we, we can't exactly throw things together quickly for that either. You know, so, and you, you don't know, and I hate to say it, if it's going to go 
six weeks into it and then they shut it down again because of what you know whatever capricious um disease uh we're looking for um evaluation yeah what i said the one of the crazy variants that this is a new variant that doesn't right our vaccines are not going to work against right 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 yeah yeah my sister's a, a doctor and, and I said, what do you think about the whole, this is you know, months ago. I said, what do you think about it? She's like, well, you know, I got it. She's like, think about it though. If there's a problem in eight months, it's gonna kill all the health workers and the, and the police and the firemen. So it was first responders. So there's gonna be a lot bigger problems than another variant. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, um, it, we've only been out to dinner, I think twice really? in the last year and a half. Yeah, just cause like, A, we got used to not going out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, B, I bought a smoker, so you know oh, that thing. You're one best of those guys. Thing. Oh man, <laughs> that is, it's chicken crack. Um, all day though, right? I mean, this is like this is. Not, it can be. It's not it a can. microwave situation. You're not throwing that thing. <laughs> no, in. no, no. The, the closest you got for microwave situation that is two hours with wings. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, brisket. That's a, that's a commitment. But we went to see um, Kong versus Godzilla, or Godzilla versus Kong, or you know whatever Beatles versus stones whatever it was right. um and that was my first time in a theater and it was us and about six other people um first time in a theater since the whole damn thing started i think the last movie i, I saw was we had got back from the cruise and i saw something so end of february because they shut everything down here on on st pat's yeah so it was, it was before that um and that was like wow i miss going to movies you know yeah. i really do yeah, I I still have not yet, but because you know part of the problem, Chris, is there's hardly anything out yet. Still, right? I mean, there isn't a whole lot of move. It's starting to pick up, but now right. I've been go. I went to. I've seen a couple indoor shows, you know, bar shows, right? Uh, but I'm like, man, I hope the Pfizer's working because you know, it felt yeah. like it felt like it was for. And I've been playing a ton of show. I played my first indoor show last Friday. Yeah, I saw that on the Instagrams. Yeah, really weird. It took was a while. it? Well, because it's been, you know, stuff that you'd always just taken for like granted, like, no, no big deal. And then you walk in there and you're like, hey, I'm going to be stuck in this room with these people for three hours. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you wonder again, you know, are we on the honor system? You know, there's right. there's no way to prove it. Oh, yeah. Um, like I do um, comedy improv and um, they we had rehearsal a couple weeks ago and um it was the first time I'd seen a lot of the people in a while, but I'm sitting there in the room just going, okay, I'm cool here. I know a lot of other people are cool here as far as, you know, being vaccinated, but I'm thinking to myself, who isn't, <laughs> you know, is that quote variant going to sneak in on someone and, you know, they're going to give it to whoever. And am, am I going to have a robust enough system now where, okay, I'm not going to get it or, you know, so that kind of goes in your, get, can get in your head if you let it. But, yeah. you know, again, you could be driving down your main street and, you know, somebody runs a stop sign or red light and takes you out. So, yep. My doctor actually told me, he said, you have more of a chance of getting hurt or killed on the car ride to your gig than the gig. And I was like, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. That's like, well, it's like with me with surfing. People are, it's fascinating that people on land are afraid of sharks. Right. You know, <laughs> meanwhile, you know. Well, you are, uh, he's not coming on land. Trust me. And if he is, he's not getting far. Right. But they're, they're all, all sharks and the sharks and there's sharks in the water. You're going to put my shark and the shark, 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 shark. Like my, my risk of getting 
hit by something on Folly Road, which is the main road down on Folly Beach, and uh, getting bitten by a shark are so wildly disproportionate. You know, I'm not really worried about it. But my, my doctor was like, don't smoke and wear your seatbelt. You know, you're probably not going to get the COVID. Right. So, but so he, thinks I already, he thinks I already had it when I got, because I got sick when we got off that, that, that cruise. Well, the cruise boats, man, that's just a Petri dish, right? Oh, yeah. Does anybody get off a cruise boat with nothing? I mean, that's just like, I don't know. It's like the NAM show. Totally. You know, you're going to get sick at NAM. It's just the way, that's why they call it NAM Thrax. <laughs> <laughs> so, there have been some of the sickest times of my life have been when I get home from NAM, like, what did I care? And I just, I don't get sick. Right. You know, I might get a cold maybe but this will this is the only time you get taken down like i don't get out of bed for two days then this starts making you thinking well five years ago did i get some sort of you know pre-covid variant because it sure sounds a whole lot like this stuff right but but so so are you going to nam next january chris that's that far away no i know i know that's a that's a fair question because (laughs) Um, so much of that is international business, mm-hmm. you know, all in one building. Mm-hmm. So really good question. I don't know. Usually they'll start asking who's coming, who's going, um, by September. Right. That's what they start asking. So I, I was just talking to my buddy, Mark, uh, from API, which is a mic preamp company. Well, and, and a bunch of other stuff, audio wise company, but they, uh, it didn't come up, but um, you know that's half of his life in, in the uh, in the year is going to trade shows all around the world. So, have they had one yet? I don't know. Is it the past? in any in any context? I don't think so. But shouldn't the one that what's the one that that's Nam in the summer in Nashville? What's that called? Is it also called that's Nam? Nam? Yeah, that's summer Nam. Yeah, isn't that going to be like in a few weeks? Oh, that's, oh, that? that should, it should be mid July. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we we could um as you know we could consult the oracle and find saying, out. Yeah, don't you have a computer in front of you? Uh, yeah. Why don't you do that? Well, I'll hum I'll hum the uh, Ed McMahon theme. So I'll <laughs> hum the Jeopardy the Jeopardy oh, yeah. theme. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, Chris, shit, we just said we're going to be in a room with how many people at Rock Pod, right? In the first week of August. But we're you and I are both not vaccinated. That's true. Someone who someone who comes to Nashville, let's say, again, let's go back to the, the Live Nation example. What is Nam going to do to make sure people are vaccinated? Yeah. All right. Um, exhibit. Yeah, I was just going to say, especially. So I've heard one of my good friends. His wife is Japanese, and they have a little baby together. And she's been desperate to try to get home to Japan. And with the Olympics there. Oh my God! Yeah, that's right. No, they're like nobody except for Olympians are coming into Japan right now. I mean, they're trying so wow. hard not to have an outbreak. All right, according to this, Summer Nam, July fifteenth through the seventeenth, two thousand twenty-one, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, I mean that's really close. Sure is. So uh, they're they're going for it. So that'll be all the musicians are going to be looking at that one. Right. Right. So, but I got um, friends of mine are going out in, they had, they start rehearsals right around then in Nashville uh, for a summer run. So 
luckily they were on an album cycle. They were they were planning on recording anyway when this all happened. So uh, they're they're one of the lucky ones. No, absolutely. So last question before I go, because I know that you obviously we had a very long talk about Eddie last time, and and I had a lot of feedback. People really liked your Eddie stories. Um, oh, cool. Well, I think a lot Got of people. Of well, I think part of it too is that that kind of like where he puts the guard down and he's just like a one of your dudes, right? You know, he doesn't have to. Yeah. He knows that Chris, you're not trying to like get something out of him, but you're just another right. guy. Uh, right. So I have my take about Wolfgang. And yeah. My, my take about Wolfgang is I feel, and he's not a kid. I think he's 30. He's 30. You're right. Which is hard to believe. Uh, but you yeah. know, uh, my dad was a musician, but he wasn't famous. My dad had problems with alcohol. My dad died of lung cancer, almost the exact same. I think I was 32 when my dad died. Uh, uh, but all that, all that stuff I got to mourn and process in private. And I kind of feel like, and I don't know how to say this because I'm a huge Van Halen fan and have been ever since I heard Van Halen won. But a lot of Van Halen fans are kind of assholes. They're all over this kid and he's not a kid, he's a man. And, sure and is. I, I just don't think it's it's fair. I mean, you know, whether you're Pete Rose Jr. with Pete Rose or Ken Griffey Jr. with Ken Griffey as a baseball analogy, you're not the exact same person. Um, no. and, and it sounds from everything I read that Ed was happy that Wolf was his own person. Oh, yeah. Right. So how do you, you know, I feel bad. For, what do you feel for Wolfgang? I feel bad for, I mean, I know he's, the, the album, what I've heard sounds really good. Yeah. But people I think are, are knuckleheads. They thought that it was going to be, you know, Van Halen 4. Just stupid. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So what's your take uh, on all that? Um, I got one. Thanks for asking. Um, first of all, I can't believe his intestinal fortitude, as the phrase goes, to engage with some of these people online, just like, wow, you know, most people would let that just slide, mm-hmm. but he, but he, he either comes up with something poignant, pointed, or really goddamn funny. He, I mean, he's got an amazing sense of humor, but his, t- his talent level is so high. Um, that I, I maintained that when they were out last time, he's the only one of the Van Halen band that could, could um, substitute for any one of the Van Halen band any night of the week that they were out there. Only one. I mean, think about it. He could, he could play all Ed's parts. He could sing all the raw stuff. He could play the drums, and he already played the bass. So he played everything on his record. Um, everything I've heard sounds amazing. He's, he's really, really talented. Um, but how he deals with people attacking him is, I don't know how he does it. I, I just don't know how, because he seems like a really genuine dude and having known his dad, shouldn't be a surprise and his mom, you know, a little bit, you know, um, clearly they, they raised someone who's pretty, pretty sure of who he is. I'm sure he's had some, I think he's mentioned he's had some professional guidance, shall we say. Right. Otherwise, you know, he'd be on the roof with the bowling ball necklace. I don't know how he'd manage it. Yeah, but the the attacks I don't understand the attacks and like you know um, I'm sure Julian Lennon got it you know mm-hmm. uh, Sting's Sting has a a son who was mm-hmm. who had a, a fiction plane um, he you know he had to deal with that um, the 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 uh, the sports ones are a really good good example right. um, 
notice Alex's kids, neither of them are, are, are uh, musicians. One's a, like an Olympic level athlete. Yeah, like a cross country guy, runner. Yeah, 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 yep, yep. Um, which is fun. And he yeah. said he, he, he still held uh, track records from in Pasadena High School. So speed runs in the Van Halen family, so to speak. But as far as Wolfie, I don't, you wonder where someone's breaking point is. <laughs> At some point, is he just going to snap and say, I'm getting off of social media. I can't handle it. I just, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. Like you said, people are, I mean, and part of it, I think it's the anonymity thing. But you know, the thing, my mom has, oh, this, yeah. yeah, my mom has this, this, uh, saying up in the in our kitchen the house i grew up with and it said are you improving the silence i mean that should be the mantra for twitter i mean wow that's a cool phrase i like right? that because it's so true i mean most of this is just bullshit you know crap that people are just spitting and you know and, and part of it i think too uh i always thought the van halen that people arguing about sammy versus dave i didn't give a shit like i don't care like who cares right, right. people you can you can enjoy both of it both yes, of, that's, that's what i did right <laughs> Right. Well, and Wolf has brought that point up too. He's like, "What's wrong with liking both of them?" You know, and and, he, and he's a Van Halen. Um, His but dad liked I, both of them. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, no right? kidding. Yeah, he really did. Um, but the, I don't know, man. I think the album, when it's out, out, and when he plays shows, is going to finally just shut a bunch of people up. I hope so. I think the people who attack him are the ones who, like anybody else, they, they're confusing good attention with bad attention, you know, and they just, it's attention because I guess, because I've seen my, um, you know, my uh, nieces and nephews and sons and daughters and all their friends and stuff, you know, when they get a reaction on an Instagram post, that's a big deal. So if you piss off Wolf Van Halen, you know, it's like stuttering John times 10, mm. you know, you're, they're, they're needling him on purpose to get him to respond to the the tweet, the Facebook post, the, you know, whatever he's on. Right. And uh, I I just, I don't know how he does it, man. I mean, I can see his father just going, ah, fuck you, you know. And that's... <laughs> yeah, because that wouldn't do it. I mean, fuck, that was always the joke about Van Halen. Like, the website hadn't been updated in how many years. Right, yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Um, I, I just hope there's people, and I, I know his mom is, and I, I, I know his uncle to a point. I know that he's close also with his mom's brother. I hope there's people around him that can protect him a little bit. And like you said, Chris, he should just hire somebody to just do his Twitter for him and just get off of it and not even yeah, yeah, put, yeah, put the yeah. stuff out about it, ignore those people, quietly block the assholes. And yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he. And, what, and what's interesting is you think what's the guy you would think who would be the most adept and involved with that sort of shit would be Roth. Right. And he has been as he and Alex have like are in a, in a foot race to be who can be more quiet, though. Apparently he was on the Rogan podcast. But he didn't um, really talk about Eddie dying. He talked about. Other no, I, I haven't seen it. It's it, it's, you know, Ross Roth. Right. So I could ask Roth what's you know, what color is the sky? And he, he would go on about when he went to Machu Picchu or something, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big points for Machu Picchu, by the way. Well done. Yeah. So, you know, Ross could have just talked about whatever, right. whatever the fuck Roth wants to talk about, right? You're never going to break. So he was on a kick. He talked about the early day. I haven't seen, I've seen a lot. And of course, you know, 
then the funny part was he knocked a tooth out just falling off his bicycle. So it's a little oh, disconcerting that, watching I, the, the video. He's got a tooth missing. That's what I thought he had on missing. I couldn't, I'm looking on the phone. I couldn't really tell. I was like, is he, did he just get it? What, you know, huh? Is that spinach? You know, what happened? Right. Or weed. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, grief is a, everybody grieves differently, right, Chris? I mean, that's part of it too. So I, you know, like you said, Dave, shit, you could get Dave to talk about anything anytime, but it's so out of character for him to be this quiet about it. I mean, right. Alex was always kind of quiet. And, yeah. And I think, and I, shit, man, my degree was in journalism. I don't know anything about psychology or psychiatry, but it almost seems like that Sammy is working through the grief through the interviews, kind of talking his way through it almost. Sure. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think you grieve how you grieve. Totally agree. Well, and, and, you know, I didn't major in psychology in, uh, in college, but you know, I was in bands for a long time. So I understand bands. I understand the personalities. Like uh, my father and I were comparing, he was comparing boardroom personalities and I was comparing band personalities. And then my cousin who played in the NFL jumped in and he was comparing team, you know, football team guys. And it's the same guy. I got a friend of mine, Barry, who's a drummer in Shinedown. He, he boiled it down to two. There's just two types, crazy and mellow. That's it. Um, but let's say, let's say, take that band and you're four guys in a band. And if you travel at all and you share what you share, there's no one else to bounce that off of. So one guy's going to go quiet. One guy, if he's got a, uh, a substance problem, he might go back to it. Uh, another guy's going to just constantly talk about it you know or constantly miss things or whatever i got a friend of mine who worked for metallica and he said you know james is still not over cliff right he, he just he just isn't you know um he would come in there was a really poignant moment where he said hetfield walked into hq looked around and said wow cliff should be part of this you know it's been what 35 years yeah that's man. That's that's some serious weight. Yeah. No, it it, it takes. I, I think Paul McCartney's not over John Lennon yet. Oh yeah, that's a great point. I mean, think about that. You have four guys. There's only if you're one of them. There's only three other guys who understood that at all. Mm-hmm. Two are gone. Yeah. No, it's no. It, it's it's not. Well, I, I anyway, like I said, I just don't back to the improving the song I, I would never call out any i mean i see bands i don't like i saw some jackass you know some of these people like you said like they just want the attention to get the attention right and she had this huge thing about she hates rush right I'm like, okay whatever and so then she so she puts and then she's pretty she had a pretty big following had the check mark by her i don't know where the fuck she was but uh so she, well, she got the check you right, know right Somehow I have that on Twitter, but I don't have an Instagram. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so then she goes, gets pissed and goes, well, there's a bunch of guys mansplaining me on the significance of odd time signatures. And, blah. and I was like, no, you can't do that. If you throw the Mottoff cocktail and it blows up, you can't be surprised that it blew up. Yep. 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 You cannot. It, what's that? Uh, um, you know, if you're down on the arena floor, and you're going to take that stance. Guess what? People start throwing stuff at you. Do not be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you literally, you can't have it both ways. No. That's why I admire Wolf for firing back. I mean, and imagine those are the ones he chooses and 
the ones that he hasn't blocked and the ones that you know he hasn't deleted or or maybe you know his girlfriend gets on there first and goes oh shit you know <laughs> he's a bunch of shit over there i don't know but the fact that the fact that they go after him i i agree with you if they wanted van halen four they're not getting it no ed could have played everything on it with him he didn't no he's like, nope. his own kid Yep, do you can you can do it, man. And good God, he can. That's the thing, you know. But yeah. uh, and I'll just wrap it up. Everything I've heard and read, the only reason why we had the last two tours was because of Wolfgang. That Ed was pretty much done, not motivated, didn't want to do it anymore, but he wanted to play with his kid. And I think the coolest thing that Wolfgang did, and I, I love Michael Anthony. Like I would have loved. Oh God, him. yeah. But you know. I think you get what you get. And I really appreciated that they did a lot of deep tracks that they never, you know, I got to hear Drop Dead Legs live. I'd wanted to hear Drop Dead Legs live my entire life. Yep. And Wolf, Wolf chose the set list. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he, um, I mean, he trusted Wolf, but it's, you know, my son is a drummer and uh, I didn't encourage him to do that at all. It's like, no, come on, a doctor, maybe, not a musician. Right. What are you thinking, really, of all things? So I'm like, wow, what would it be like to play? You know, and, and I'll push him, and maybe at some point we will. But I, I got another buddy, Steve Gibb, uh, who was uh, our guitar player for a while. And Steve said, um, indirectly, the only reason Barry was out playing was because Steve was playing with him, and he told him so. He said, look, I just I don't want to play anymore. I just don't. And Steve was like, people want to hear you. You know, they really do. Um, he's like, eh, I'd rather just look at the ocean or whatever. And Steve pressed him on. And he said, I don't have my brothers. I just, I, I don't want to. And he's like, dad, come on. And finally, Barry relented and said, all right, I'll do it if you play with me. Right. So Steve was like, done. So the reason Barry did things like Glassenberry um, and some of the other stuff he's done is because Steve played with him. You know, and it's not like Steve said, I'm going to play with you. <laughs> Let's do this. No, it was, it was Barry's thing. Like, all right, this is worth doing if I have my son with me. You know, mm-hmm. so, so I see that parallel for sure with Van Halen. Uh, well, maybe Steve Gibb at some point could reach out to Wolf or something. I, you know, yeah. Uh, is there, and then I know I really will let you go, but I, is there a more heartbreaking story than Barry Gibb? I mean, three brothers, all musical. I mean, Andy died so young. Yep. He loses them all. He's the only one yep. left. He's the only one left, yeah. Steve said, uh, yeah, because, I, cause, you know, me being the music nerd I am, and Steve and I just getting along well, um, and uh, he, I said, well, you know, what was, what, was your, what was your Uncle Andy like? And he said, my Uncle Andy was my hero. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And the brothers were all in awe of him. He was the one that they thought was going to be bigger than they were because he was that talented at no matter Steve said, no matter what Andy did, Andy did, he was better than everybody at it by the end of the day. You know, he just started like, I'm going to take a motocross. He's just killing it by the end of it. He said he was just that guy. Right. So um, yeah, but yeah, tra- tragedy. Cause I just think about that. You had the two twin brothers, mm-hmm. you know, Morris and Robin, you know, mm-hmm. and, he, and it's so weird to have him talk about them. Like I would talk about my uncle. Like, right. well, yeah, my, my uncles didn't write nights on Broadway, you know, <laughs> right. or I started a joke or, you know, 
your uncles kind of did some cool stuff, Steve. <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, you know. But um, that's got to be prevalent in the, in the Van Halen attitude that just um, Alex, because I think Alex is, he's the one who's like, you know, I'll do what you want, Ed. Um, and, and Roth is always up for a gig, so that's not a problem there. But, um, but Wolf, Wolf was serious. Everyone should be grateful for the fact that what you just said. The fact that Ed was out there is absolutely due to Wolf. He trusted him. He wanted to play. He cleaned up because of Wolf. Right. Wolf. Uh, where did I see that recently? I, uh, Washington Post had a really good. Was that? Did you read the Washington Post? Yes, yes, I did read that. Yeah. Uh, but I, Alex, I think, was the one who said, "Wolf, Wolf is the only one who got through to him with the rehab." He's just like, "I can't." Handle. And Wolf is straight edge, mm -hmm. like real straight edge. Like, and Ed's um, Ed was like, "All right, I'll do it," and it worked. You know, thankfully, he probably. You remember what he looked like at that stage? Oh my god. He was probably weeks away from just checking out right then and there. Yeah. Well, God, I, I didn't go on. I didn't see them on the 04 tour because my younger son was actually born the same day that they were playing here. But I had friend and huge. Is that the Sammy reunion? Yeah. Yeah. Huge Van Halen fans, like the biggest Van Halen. I don't want to say apologist, but you know, like they, they get a fist. If you said you didn't like Van Halen, they probably want to start a fist fight with you. And it wasn't even like they were mad about it, Chris. They were so heartbroken by it. Yeah. yeah. It was just oh, terrible. Yeah. Well, and he looked so bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, just looked so like, how how is he managing to play? I'm talking about love. Never mind get through the day, you know? Mm -hmm. Like that, that, that Washington Post thing. Well, you know, it's in a glass holding up the blue nun bottle, you know? Ooh wow just horrible and, but i think like the stories i told were from 1989 ish and then anytime we'd get on the phone but when he died you had you know 30 years post that of him still being the same guy and touching even more and more and more and more and more lives so i think once that 04 thing came around people people felt like they really knew the guy mm -hmm. so when you know someone even if it's a friend or someone in your neighborhood and that starts happening to them that hits you hard that way never mind someone who's in the like you said in the public eye you know just ooh, wow but he got out of it no to his, his son's credit that into his credit getting clean at any point i mean how many times had he been in rehab i mean it's it's tough you know yeah he ran I mean, out I don't, of, I don't want to talk but you know everything about the van Halen's. you know my dad he had to get fired from his job yeah we had to have the intervention did you Oh yeah, best friend came. I was 19 years old. Best friend came in, his best friend, and we sat down. It was one of the hardest things I've ever been through, Chris. It was, and I got to do like I said, I got to do all that privately. Like nobody, right, right. Nobody knew about it. Nobody's writing shit about it in the newspaper. Nobody's like, hey, how's your dad? And I'll, you know, no one's ragging your son in public on it. Yeah. No, I mean it's just, and it was really hard in private. So I can't even imagine. Yeah. Right. That's hard. Imagine it. Imagine seeing that, what everything you just talked about on the cover of People magazine. Right. A week after your dad died. Yeah. No, it's terrible. Unbelievable. Yeah. I just, um, like that, like you said, that's hard enough in private. Meanwhile, millions of people, not like, you know, you live in a small town, you know, a hundred people know about this or whatever. No, millions of people not only know about it, but also are chiming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody has a hot take. 
right? And most of them yeah. are terrible. And most of them are terrible. But yeah. you know, it's such and then and then uh, it's such a strange thing. Like you and I have talked now twice. I would never come to your house. I would never bother you. I would never. You know what I'm saying? Like you're right. you're a guy with your own needs and wants and you privacy and you know. I always think it's weird how people think because you're in the public eye that they own you a little bit, right? You know that they need to be apart like if i saw i can't even th- i think eddie came when uh who was wolf playing with tremonti right yeah yeah tremonti yeah yeah there's a picture of him by the soundboard in westport here in kansas city he flown in to watch his kid play and nobody knows it was there well even if i'd been at that show and saw ed i'd probably like go like you know to my friend hey look right but, but I, i'd leave him the fuck alone <laughs> only thing he owed me was like when i bought a concert a good show on stage and that's it yeah to that, to your point, I have two two edisms that he taught me early on. Right. One was, they you don't owe them anything. They bought a piece of plastic that you made. That's a quote. Because I asked him, I said, "What do you do, man? People, you're not like your basic rock guy. You're kind of above that strata. So how do you how do you suss this out?" And he said, um, "They don't own you." So uh, that was one thing he knew. The other thing was, um, to your point about being out in public. I said, what do you do? And he said, uh, because we were out at, we were out bowling and some people were following him around. And he, hey, I'll be right back. So he goes over, talks to him, signs with and they went away. So I said to him, okay, why'd you just do that instead of ignore him? He said, because if you, you have to acknowledge them as soon as you can, otherwise they will not let you alone. They will follow you, they will do this, as opposed to, he said, look, they're gone, right? They got what I wanted and I, we can go back to bowling. It's like, huh. Excellent point, Edward. So he was he was really very self-aware of that stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the piece of plastic thing, that was a big one because me, you know, I just always felt um a debt of gratitude to someone who came to the show, bought the shirt, bought a record. I don't care if you didn't buy the record and you put it on tape and you know whatever, but you knew the band and you said hi to me. Maybe you traveled to see the band. You know, that's, I took that seriously because, you know, I grew up in a small Ohio town. If I wanted to see Aerosmith, which I didn't, because um, mom and dad would not take me because it was an hour away. But if I, if I could have figured it out and I got to meet them and they were bad to me, I would have been crushed, right. you know? So I was always very cognizant, cognizant of that. That was a running Dio thing too. You, no matter what, you sign, you sign everything you need to sign. You answer all the questions, you take all the photos because they're the boss. However, where is that line totally when does it become too much so so for someone like them i can't oh god especially now with wolf just so many people just trampling on his privacy Ooh. well i heard somewhere people are still like scaling the walls trying to get into 5150 to take pictures like what the fuck are you doing right yeah i mean that's uh and that's a bad that's a bad idea because i gotta think at some point there's got to be some fairly heavy security, you know, fair, who will uh, escort you one way or another off the premises. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, people are, I just think it's weird. Like, I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. Like, I love to go in to see rock and roll shows. I'm going to go to a bunch of shows. Uh, if you and I bumped into each other, I would say hello and introduce myself. And then I'd leave you the fuck alone, man. I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, I got to hang on to you. I just, you know, I don't, you know, even like, you know, the reason why I picked up the guitar was Steve Ray Vaughn. If I met Steve Ray Vaughn, 
I would have said, thank you so much. Love your music. Shook his hand and got the fuck away from like, I, and I never would go looking for him. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Dude, I, I, but I do the same thing. You know, I, I've done that more than once. I've walked up and if I'm lucky enough and they, they know the band I'm in or whatever, um, and say hi and leave them alone. I met Neil Sean once when um, Soda was in Journey. And uh, Jeff says, hey, Neil, this is, you know, we're on our way to catering. And he goes, hey, Neil, this is Chris McLernan. He's a bassist in Saigon Kick. And Neil goes, oh, hey, great to meet you. And he goes, oh, great band. And I was like, fuck, yes. You got what you wanted, Chris. Shut up and leave the man alone for the rest of the night, which I did. That was, but the, the priceless part was watching the look on my brother's face. Because huge Journey fan, right. and and I, I got the uh, I got the, uh, the the seal of approval. He's like, holy shit, Neil Sean knows your knows your band. Da, da, da. I was like, yes, he does. Let's go talk to him. No, <laughs> leave him alone. We'll hang with Jeff. Jeff's our buddy for the night, you know. And uh, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he he was very very tempted to go across that line, but you, you just. You can't. And I've been tempted too, man. Like you do a festival date and you just, you, you want to talk to some people. Like I have, um, I, I have crossed the line. I will say. Yeah, I, yeah you but know. you're a full-time working musician. It's a little different that if you come up to somebody, cause you can talk that language and have done that experience as opposed to, you know, some jackass that I don't know what he does, but you know, yeah, I guess I, and there's, there's still a part of me that goes, I'm still that jackass. <laughs> Can I tell you yeah. my Neil Schoen story, which is perfect. Yeah, absolutely, go. So, you know, I've been sitting here on Twitter uh, and I know everybody's at home and I've had some- people, Oh yeah. So like, uh, uh, I'm a big jellyfish nerd. I love jellyfish when they were out. So Roger Manning was- Oh um, yeah. Was like, and I was like, hey, Roger, you're not doing anything. If you want to be on my, and Roger said yes. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And I had a great time. And, and I'm now checking my boxes. With I've had Roger on. I've had Tim Smith on. Uh, I, I had J- Jason Fa- I'm a huge Jason Faulkner fan. I had Jason Faulkner on. Uh, but no. so I said, sure. well, fuck, this worked once. Let's try this again. So Neil Schoen was on. He's like follows one of my friends on Twitter. Like, you know. And I said, hey, Neil. Kind of same thing sitting around. And he said, dude. So he responds to me. He goes, I've already done a couple of those. I really don't have anything else to say. And I wrote him right back. I said, totally get it. Totally respect it. I really appreciate you taking the time to tell me that. Yeah, at least he responded. And I left him the fuck alone. Yeah. But I said, I'm fine with you saying no. That's fine. Yeah, like you said, at least he responded. Yeah, but, and he, but, he has but, every right to tell me no. He didn't know who the fuck I am. Right. <laughs> um, on the Roger Manning type band, because I forget what who from Jellyfish was in it. Have you heard the band uh, Swag? No. Um, I want to say... Tom Peterson's involved. Okay. Uh, it's either was it Roger or somebody else from I forget what it is, but it's that '60s power pop kind of stuff. Yeah, Roger's brother's Chris is uh, Chris Manning. Is it Chris Manning? Uh, I don't. Know. He could be in it, but yeah, it's Swag. I'll check. Um, they have a song. Even if you only listen to the first song on the record, which is called Lone L O N E, it's just the hooks are just unreal, just unreal. Um, it was one of those, uh, my buddy, Mark Danzeisen, who plays on all the surf stuff. And he played on the Canal stuff, too. Very cool. Um, yeah, the Canal stuff has got three different drummers. So not at once. Sorry, four. Um, right. So it's not like, you know, 38 special times 10. Um, <laughs> or, or Adam Ant. Adam Ant, horribly underrated, the Adam Ant band. Yes. Uh, yes, Marco Peroni. 
just brutally good guitar player. Um, but Dan Sison's a huge power pop fan. I'm like big time. And he's the one who turned me on to swag. I will definitely. I love that shit. Well, you know, it's so funny, kind of your point about people and fandom. So I put up when I had the, you know, Jason Faulkner doesn't do a ton of interviews. Um, yeah. And the reason I got one of my friends out in L.A. is friends with him. So that's how it happened. And I had four friend requests on Facebook the next day. Like all these people are huge Jason Faulkner fans. Like I got to friend this guy because he could get me to Jason. I just ignored them. <laughs> See, yeah, you uh, you were able to acknowledge, but uh, yeah, well, it's like I'm not going to be like oh, hey, I, Jason. I just you know, I got yeah, this guy to talk to you now. Like no, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's not a keg party, right? No, it's not. Hey, this dude wants to meet you, man. Right? Yeah. Well, his name's so- Mark David Chapman. <laughs> you know, like, i mean there's some, as i was saying like it's scary some of these people it's scary yeah. yeah well and i was talking to someone about that uh probably my son i said you guys have it so differently now because in the old days if band wanted to if someone wanted to contact the band you had to go through management mm-hmm. and then management filtered it good god that those days are gone right you know here, here's, here's a, a sort of example. We were out on the road and the bus AC broke down. So we're in the middle of Texas in the summer, of course, sweating. We stop at a, at a, at a truck stop. I get something to eat or drink or whatever. Everyone's off the bus. I come back out and the bus is gone, right? Gone. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, I know I didn't get fired. So what just happened? So here's how I finally got the bus to come back and get me today. You know, again, you pick this up, right. you text the, text the driver, go, dude, what the fuck? Where are you? Oh, shit. Come back, you know, or text everyone, group text, bus is leaving in 10. I'm sure there's some protocol. Right. No, I have to call management, right? Thankfully, it's a weekday. So I call management, right? I get them because they have an 800 number. Um, I get uh, one of the, the girls on the phone uh, and she's like, what happened here let me put on wendy deal so i get a hold of wendy and she's like what happened and i said i was in you know in the bathroom or whatever and driver's like oh my god so now she's got to page him right so he gets a page god knows at what point during the ride because this is now an hour and a half right there's only so many big belt buckles you can look at at the you know at the flying j <laughs> especially at the, you know at that point and i tell my son this too you guys have it so easy because people are much more tolerant about appearance now than they used to be so i'm by myself with hair to my elbow in a texas trust truck stop yeah yeah, they didn't like, yeah. They didn't like it i'm learning to make friends quick so <laughs> wendy wendy te- uh, i almost said text wendy beeps the bus driver he he now has to go to the next exit again middle of texas so that's another half an hour till they can find something he calls in um gets wendy's bad side he has to now turn around come back another hour and a half or whatever it was to get me pick me up and then we head back out and at that point you know wendy's like okay they're coming back how far away are they this is so that was the quickest way to do it, you know, as opposed to now, which is just bing, you know, everything is the, the access to band to, to make it come back to the, 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 the original point. The access to bands is a level that 
I think you would have to grow up with and be accustomed to because I know guys in from my era who are still just like they don't they don't even answer their phone. Their wife handles all the phone, all of it, everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow, dude, really? How do I get a hold of you? Do you remember Dundee Dan? Dan? Oh yeah. So you know what he so did? You know what he did? He had but a he fax, had a fax machine, machine in Santa Fe. Santa Fe. And if you wanted to get a hold of him, you fax him. Faxed him. Yeah. And he's like, he, he might read it at some point. He might not. He didn't give a shit. Wow. Well, <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> back Bill then, you could get away with that. You can't now, but back then, you could have. Bill Murray lives here in Charleston. Okay. And uh, he has a voicemail. That's it. So if you want to get a hold of Bill and he checks it, eh. When he feels, because he's Bill Murray, because when he feels like it. Um, and uh, he's missed out on movie roles. He's missed out on all kinds of stuff just because I don't care. Right. You, you got me or you didn't get me, whatever. And they, you know, apparently some of the movies he's missed out on are pretty crazy. But the plus side is he's he's a vibrant um, member of the Charleston community. I mean, he, he's just, he is citizen number one. There's, if you stop anyone, they've probably got a Bill, Bill Murray story. Did you see the documentary about where he just crashes the parties, just shows up and play? Have you seen that documentary? I haven't, no. Oh my God. I think it's on Netflix. I'll find it for you. But that's the thing, like, he like appears out of the ether. Like this one, people were having a house party in Austin, like a kager, and Bill Murray just walks in. And it's Bill Murray. Yep. And like and he did the I think he did the ladies' dishes at some point. Like there were dirty dishes, and he's like, Oh, I like it this. <laughs> oh. And then he, he's like left. Yeah. My um my favorite local story is now I'll 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 stop yammering because I'll I'll go all night. I know. Me too. Gift we of, could wrap it up. Gift of, gift of gab. Um well we're both McLaren. Is that Scottish or Irish? Oh Irish. Irish. No, I got Irish, Scottish, and English, so I'm, Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The um, I did the DNA test. Eighty-eight mm-hmm. percent Irish. Yeah. I'm more Irish than Bono. Um, but it's all it's all Irish and invading hordes. So yeah. it's Scandinavian. Raped by somebody is what. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's Spanish, English, Norwegian, and something else. It's all uh, uh, Netherlands or something that are, that makes up the other twelve percent. Um, but so there was a, a fundraiser here out, out at the Joe, which is the Joe, Joe Riley, uh, Charleston River Dogs minor league baseball team. The Joe is the stadium. It was designed by the same guy who did uh, Camden Yards. It's phenomenal. And um, there was a fundraiser for kids and Bill Murray was advertised to be there. Right. So Darius Rocker was there. Some other people were there. Um, Charleston bigwigs. And Bill is nowhere to be found at all at all right so they're like apologizing for it, whatever they're doing this they're doing that and this oh well he said he's going to be here and he's going to talk you know about stripes or whatever <laughs> they're stalling 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 no one's paying attention to this guy who's making balloon out animals for the kids and he's wearing a suit that is a, a clown outfit from you know d- divided vertically like and a suit like a business suit with facial makeup on and all that right and he's wearing a placard that says suits half off, right? And but he's not saying a word, it's all pantomime. And he's doing no one, no one is even picking up on this. He's he's making the balloons, does it all day. Finally, at the end of it, they say, Well, we're sorry, Bill didn't come, you know, to, you know, we'll do this. Well, you know, there'll be some a rain check, whatever. 
finally he, he you know does the reveal and uh comes up and says, oh that was me the whole time it's totally it but yeah yeah it's in 101 yeah but I, I love the uh, I love the the, the sign suits half off. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, Chris, it's so my it's nice to talk to you again. I appreciate the time. Whatever, you too, sir. Thank you. I, I'm getting your vinyl, brother. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll make sure you get one. I'll make sure you get one. I'll send you the uh, um, the, uh, the the mock up of the artwork. It's no, I I'm, love it. I'm really psyched about it. It's just I, I it. it's just gonna be choosing it and uh, you know well, getting. That tangible thing that you and I know, because we're Gen Xers, of getting an album when you first bought it and getting to look at it and then flipping it over and looking at the back and then opening it up and looking at the line. I like it was a big deal. Like you love that. Yeah. Well, and I was a big Alice, I still am, big Alice Cooper fan. And they went to a lot of trouble to make their albums look cool. You know, that packaging, the sleeve, the label itself, the outside of it, you know, I mean, they, when you when you when you're die cutting the records into the shape of a desk, you know you're, you're serious. Not doing that. However, um, I really sat down with the guy who's uh, his name's Robert Merrick, who's who's doing the um, the the artwork, and uh, I was like, look, man, let's really really think about this, because as I've learned, like uh, Jason Beeler said that uh, a lot of people are just getting his album and just keeping it because they like the way it looks. They, they're not opening it. So I was like, all right, what can I learn from that? How can I make it, everything about it so cool? Because I'm in control of it. I, I have no, no label to argue with. It's me. I'm doing it. You know, if some, the idea is I'm going to shop it. If someone wants to pick it up, cool. But I'm doing it the way I want to do it first, prove the concept, and then go from there. I don't need someone, because I've been through that, someone at the label going, no, we don't like that artwork idea. You know, exhibit A, the water record. You know, we that was not what we wanted. Let's just say that. It looks like, you know, the writing inside looks like a wedding invitation. That was not the original plan. That was not what the band wanted, shall we say. Now, sometimes bands have really stupid ideas. Right. You know, Beatles yesterday, today. Probably not the best idea, kids. With the, the bloody know. babies. <laughs> right. Right. Guys, you know... I'm no expert, but uh, you're wrong on this one. <laughs> well, that's why Spinal Tap is so funny with the smell of the glove joke, right? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Right. So I'm going to see you soon. I'm looking yep. forward to it. And uh, yes. I, will, I will introduce myself. And uh, I look forward to the vinyl. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, hopefully we don't give each other weird variants when we see each other. <laughs> if we do, we deserve it, I guess, right? That's but yes. Thank you again for having me. And any time, glad to uh, glad to contribute. All right, brother. Have a good night. You too. Take care. All right, bye bye. Chris McLernan, everybody. So much fun to have a chance to talk to Chris again. Down in the show notes, check out all the ways that you can follow Chris. And like he said, he's got a new album coming out. Going to do vinyl and make it cool. And this is one of the tracks. Which is very cool. He did a version of Thin Lizzy's 19. This is their version. It's cool. Very cool. Uh, dig it. So thanks, Chris, for the time. That's going to do it for this week's Trading 4. Even though I'm on vacation or back from vacation whenever you're listening to this, didn't mean that I wasn't keeping you guys prepared without another episode. So next week, I've got Betty Sue from the Power Trio 
Nobody's Girl. They have a new album coming out. Uh, great, great musicians out of Austin, Texas. Uh, you're going to dig this. Uh, a lot of fun to talk to her. And we're going to find out, not only is it a small town, a big, you know, big city, small town feel here in Kansas City. Apparently it's that way in the country, too, because completely without any idea, Betty Sue and I found out we have a, a mutual connection that's very close. It's crazy. So we had a lot of fun. So that's next time. Until then, go out, support live music. We'll talk real soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.